0: Alright, thank you everyone for joining us on this week's episode of D20 Dudes. I'm Paul.
1: I'm Dylan. And I am a cool, shifting master of darkness.
0: Also known as Bartles.
1: And this week, our
2: episode is Author vs. God. God. And look this summer now you for may the Touhou release, Author vs. God vs. King
1: Kong. It's my favorite Kaiju movie
0: Alright Now you may be wondering, what do we mean by Author versus God
2: This wholly relies on uh, Essentially DMing and whether it means You are the author That creates the elaborate story Slash allows the Players to create the elaborate story Or God, which is This is my story And you are simply characters in it You will follow my law, or God will punish you. And, uh, there are distinct, distinct red flags that you might be playing with a God Complex DM. Look for the warning signs, folks. Dylan, Dylan, please, please feel free to name a couple of big red flags.
1: Uh, no, character, you don't knock on that door. Uh, no, you're supposed to be going this way, not that way. You You see Big Dark Spooky Man in Tavern. There's no one else here, only Big Dark Spooky Man. Can I talk to the barkeep? No, you can only talk to Big Dark Spooky Man.
2: You have exploded the door, except the door remains unscathed. Detect magic. Is the door magic? No, the door remains unscathed. I punch the door with all of my barbarian might. You break your hand. The door remains unscathed. What's behind this door? The bathroom, and there's nothing in there that I want you to have. Go away from the door. Well, maybe I need to use the restroom. You do not. Go away from the door. (laughs) Hello, character. Did you enjoy building your character? Behold, as I put you in an impossible encounter so that I can have my character for the week show up and save you. That drives me that...
0: Not to be confused <sighs> with you're about to make a possibly catastrophic decision like walking through a door, just running through a door without checking to see what's behind the door. And the DM asks, are you sure you want to do that? Giving you the choice.
2: It's really pretty clear at this point where we stand on it. Author versus God, please don't be the latter. Always be the former. I mean, but well, to be fair, it's not an easy road to walk.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a gray area in this particular topic. Um, and, you know, Paul, I, you've talked in a lot of previous episodes on your like feelings on this, like you really believe that the characters and the players should be allowed to make their own story. They should be allowed to forge their own path and have fun the way they want to. But to an extent you do kind of got to limit what can and can't happen in a campaign, especially whenever you do have the characters that either don't know what they're doing. So they're doing everything wrong or know exactly what they're doing. So they're doing everything wrong. Like there does have to be a little bit of a leash, Maybe, maybe a long one. But at least, nonetheless, and that's fair. I think we might have mentioned
2: a caveat or an asterisk here, or there, lightly, but this is going to be the episode I think where we really finally kind of put our put our stances out there about what about what the guiding hand can really be, um, because the guiding hand is really, I think, maybe that's what you could call the appropriate use of uh, the God complex there, where it's like. Not necessarily forcing your will, but more of gently keeping them moving in the right direction. No, we don't need to talk to Zigglethorpe, the alcoholic dwarf, for the 15th time. We do, after our third session of trying to get to this, actually need to visit this dungeon. Let's let's move along now, please and thank you. No, you don't have to roll every time you want to open a door. That doesn't have to be a thing. Uh, yeah that's a real example by Jared. the way that's a yes, real example it's fine.
0: it's fine to walk around Cyrodiil a little bit maybe join the Dark Brotherhood but by god you don't want to be level 50 by the time you finally go around to go into Kavach and seeing the first Oblivion Gate
2: I always want to be level 50 when I see the first Oblivion Gate I want to punch an imp and watch it explode into just nothingness that is the best
0: well, that's fine at that capacity, but not so much whenever you're doing the whole role-playing thing in tabletop. Kind of a uh, gets a little bit sidetracky at that point. Yeah,
2: that's completely fair. So, okay, so I think we've got three major steps here. Uh, you have the left, where you have the author. The author encourages uh, the story along, has pre- like has pre-built ideas, areas, encounters, characters, all of these things, all the necessary tools. But excuse me, but they're just Ingredients for the story that the characters can choose to put on their story or not. In the end, they're going to get the meal they want, but a very appropriate author can allow them to sort of encourage that along while still having big overarching goals that the guiding hand sort of moves them along to. The guiding hand is that perfect medium, it's the one that keeps them steadily going towards what was the intended outcome if there was one, um, and it's very rare you can find a group that can operate without an intended outcome or an intended end game. So, oh, like 99.99% of campaigns, of course, always have an end game in mind. Once the journey kicks off, whether it's introduced at the beginning or a little bit in, it's always there, uh, and understood to be there. Um, that's right in the middle where you kind of move things along. And then you have the far right. And the God complex thing that we've mentioned before, it's when I say that, and I'm going to use an example, um, Of a previous DM. It's that very hard stance of. This is my story. You are characters in it. Uh, Every week you will do. What I tell you you are going to do. And this week. Or next week. Or every week after. uh, If you end up getting in over your heads. Which at this point the DM. Almost intends for you to do. Then magically the DM's story. And the DM's characters will show up. To change things. It almost feels more like your pawns in their game than it does feel that you are an actual intended player in the world. Um, so the, the DM's
1: approach is already kind of broken, in my opinion. Yeah, that's really just bad DMing at its finest. I actually touched on that a little bit last week, um, where it's really got to be, you know, playing to the group. Like, what does the group need from you as a DM, rather than these are my plans, this is what I have set in motion, and this is what's going to happen.
2: So, I think with those ideas out there, we've kind of established a few concepts. So, what I would like to do for this episode, going forward, is I kind of just want to round-robin it, and we will talk about just sort of ideas and things that we do, and things that we like seeing that others do, just ideas that we've seen uh, or experienced from other players, or uh, things that we've come up with as our, on our own, that really sort of move things along in a direction that we enjoy. And I'm actually going to kick this ball over to Bartlett because Bartlett, I just want to tell I just want you to tell us just just a couple things, two three things, just fun moments in your tabletop history that you particularly remember being enjoyable because the DM allowed them to be enjoyable by either not interfering or guiding you into an extremely interesting encounter that you particularly Enjoyed, or, And that can also include conversations with NPCs where the DM was guiding a conversation. Just any kind of situation like that.
0: Well, if I'm terribly honest, I haven't had a whole lot of fun tabletop sessions until I guess about a year and a half because I just don't have the friends for the most part that fall into that category. But I definitely would say a few of the fun ones was of an unscripted one that good old dylan threw in during our starfinder campaign when we were in aox i believe when it was after obviously moo had died and we were just kind of piddle around outside about to go talk to juanita trucks and then all of a sudden sharp just gets essentially bum rushed by an assassin and guess who comes back from the grave momentarily but moo we might have been able to win that encounter without, but uh, Dylan just wanted to add the whole, Moo came back as a Grave Knight and just saved the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to put out there that he did come back as a Grave Knight and want a revenge. It was a fun, it was
2: a fun end to that, that character. A, a tiny little gray was... alien.
0: With a head had, t- had telepathy. Only ever said Moo.
1: Only ever said Moo. Got stuck behind a door for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh
0: man! Because he phased into a room that he were not supposed to be able to get into, and just got stuck there.
2: It was a great time. Well, oh, it was a very yes. good time. I also particularly remember a moment in that uh, where our our particularly friendly, overly sharing and overly gifted witchword, uh, played by Bartlett, <laughs> had a uh, had a penchant for. Uh, Let's just say he liked to feel the breeze between his knees and uh, (laughs) had trouble keeping his clothes on at appropriate moments. And that also uh, really came to a head, I think, when we had a delightful encounter. Actually, the three of us all starred that encounter. Uh, Dylan was playing a rogue pirate of a very powerful vessel that we had met in a combat encounter in space. And this is actually a perfect example of... Multiple things that I love about a DM that lets the player do their thing. That encounter was not intended for player success. It it actually came from a uh, module that way, where it really you're really not supposed to get away with it. Um, but luckily, we had good rolls. We had good positioning, good pilots, uh, good shots. We also had two goblins named Beavis and Butthead. That we're mounting our turrets, and we miss them dearly every day. I hope they're eating gas station nachos in the stars, wherever they are. And uh, Dylan, instead of absolutely saying, no, screw you, the ship is ag- actually magically repaired now, it's going to blow you into space particles, uh, did not do that. And instead, actively allowed for us to win that encounter, and then we actually met with that pirate on a video comp which was a whole new thing that I don't think Dylan was prepared for, but he had it with style and grace and that Kong had a funny face and, uh, it was just a super fun time. So when we get to that conversation, Dylan's playing it off, bouncing it back. Great. Uh, being like a real threatening, fun sky pirate and, uh, talking some mad crap. And, It slowly, it it didn't dawn on us that we weren't really supposed to win that encounter until we, in roleplay, tried to start extorting that ship for uh, money or ship parts. And Dylan was kind enough to give us a ship part as a reward, but also started to say, "Uh, actually, their ship is starting to get repaired now because you guys won't stop talking. Uh, To which we responded, fine, we're going to leave, but not because you say. Also, here's a witch word, Nick. And we forced them to look at it on a big video comm because that witchword word had been trying to expose himself, I think, for about eight sessions at least. Maybe yeah, ten. an
1: android committed suicide to get out of it. So.
2: That's actually true. And we tried to hunt that android down just so we could force it to see the witchword <laughs> until it had to erase that thing from the game because we were completely derailing the campaign trying to find it just so we could do this. So he's exactly right. Sometimes you do have to kind of just say, no, guys, <laughs> we're going to go back to work now, please.
1: You got rained in you just a little bit. got
2: in just a little bit. That was like the first session of the campaign, and we already just weren't having it. Yeah. Um, gotta, but it, it keep was a blast. A it was a blast. But I'll always remember that encounter. Um, because A, we weren't supposed to get away with it, but we were allowed to get away with it anyway, because we did earn it. Uh, B, the character interaction was super enjoyable and C, we did feel like that character was threatening we did feel like that character was going to be threatening if we kept messing around and we decided to keep messing around anyway on our exit because we weren't no cucks and we just had a really great time that day I'll never forget that so a great shining
1: example for me of a great DM Starfinder was really fun I can't wait to ooh. Possibly get a certain project we're working on up and there.
2: Alright, um, Ellen, it's your turn.
1: Yeah, so top this little particular thread off. Um, I had a character in a campaign that unfortunately didn't last very long because I had a change of job and it kind of, you know, took away all my play time. Um, but I made an elf rogue and he was entirely randomly rolled. And I fell in love with him because of it. Because I I, had, I got to fill in the gaps myself and make him into this character that he was meant to be. It was just, just waffle loads of fun. I loved it. To hear uh, about was... the importance of random rolled characters, please <laughs> see episodes 3 through 15. <laughs> <laughs> um, his name was Milas Yin, and he was an elf rogue. Uh, he was orphaned as a pup. Uh, and brought in by Eustace and Muriel and Wool. Um, And he raised his two little sisters uh, through an elven childhood pretty much by himself. And, you know, anyone knows anything about elves for a really long time. So an elven childhood is about a hundred years. But eventually he was taken in uh, by a gnomish man and, you know, he learned the roguish arts. Uh, But he was not good with romance and he was not good with commitment in any form. So whenever the adventuring group comes along, and it turns out he's got this big, epic destiny, and he's supposed to save the world. You know, Milas wasn't really into it. He was just kind of screwed around. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll get dragged along into this, but I'm really going to have my own time. And the DM of that session, uh, man we will call Mr. X, uh, had a really... X gonna give it to you. Um, he did something that I didn't expect and that he actually used my character's background that I put effort into. And that never happens in our campaigns. Ever. So, this guy who ended up becoming the big bad kidnapped his sisters to use as hostages. And basically told him point blank, I killed this man that adopted you, that is your adoptive father. And Milas, at that point, changed his tune real quick. He wasn't just a happy-go-lucky rogue who was there to steal a few things, make a little coin, you know, visit his sisters and have a good time. He changed from this screwing-around character that I was going to just kind of have be along for the ride to, I'm going to kill this man. And screw whatever your objectives are, screw your gods and whatever they might think about it, I'm going to kill this man. And he kind of ended up becoming like the head of the party in that way because he got pushed through really good roleplay in that direction. Good times. I really enjoy those kinds of stories.
0: Uh um, that one ended up turning into a separate campaign too, didn't it from the it initial did. one? Did, like
1: it it split off like cuz we were running an adventure path, but then once that little thing got kicked off, like I don't like, apparently he didn't expect me to have such a radical reaction to it. And he just kind of was like, "Whoa, that's way more compelling than what I had down." <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. And uh, I am going to go ahead and throw this out here. Um, I know I've mentioned it at least twice before, but I always like to bring it up when it's relevant. Uh, If a DM or a soon-to-be DM or uh, just long in the future, but you're excited for your opportunity DM is out there, and you are kind of struggling, kind of stressing out, sort of to figure out kind of how you want to push these things along and move forward, uh, I will say just two great examples Number one, you can never go wrong with the Meat Grinder Dungeoneering experience because that way you can get some DMing chops and you don't have to worry about roleplay getting out of hand or keeping characters corralled or on focus. And I just always like to recommend those, especially for starters. And number, and you're allowed to be as mean as you want. It's just, it's just a good time. And uh, number two, uh, I like to bring up the story of Diplomat Damon. And if you have a character or you have a player who has a character uh, that just lives to write the story and maybe it's just a bit more story than you were anticipating uh, or can really handle, never feel afraid to approach that player and say, hey, that's busted, man. Can uh, Can we nerf that shiz? Or maybe just try something a little different for this campaign? And you know what? They'll probably say yes. Actually, two of them will say yes. The other 30 will probably scream and cry and complain, but eventually they will say yes. But it's worth it to keep
1: the campaign on focus. Yeah, it's it can be difficult knowing how to wrangle a party together, especially once they get large. In fact, uh, the uh, halfling fighter that I always bring up explicitly
2: avoided the party the entirety of that campaign because at no point... Did that character feel like it belonged with that particular group of people, um, in particular, because that group was just really struggling and needed constant guidance? And there was there was a big gap, I think, between um, just just I, I guess exposure to tabletop or just just a general skill level with it. Um, yeah, and, it was a lot so of people's
1: first time in that. It room.
2: was, and a lot of questions and a lot of complications that come with first timing. Um, so that character ended up splitting off and doing its own thing, but it, the whole root of it was because, like, player characters, and it's normal, I will say this, this is a very, th- this is a very normal thing that I don't think we've mentioned before ever. Um, if you have first-time players or very fresh-faced players, maybe it's only even, like, their second one or th- maybe even third, but their first or second just didn't get to go very long, um, or it's just a brand-new character type, Never be surprised when your characters, similar to how a person in a video game is, immediately want to know what the actual limits are. Like, if you are a first-time DM, and you're like, I have all these fun and interesting ideas, and I can't wait to see what these guys do, and it's going to be really exciting, and they don't have to do everything, and you're just going to make the best laid plans and you don't want to have to use the God in hand, and you don't want to have to force them into every little corral, it's not hard to see why people end up becoming sort of like God-complex DMs. It's really not, because you'll start that campaign, and within 10 seconds, somebody's climbing the wall for no reason and trying to shoot guards and make trouble in town, and they just showed up here. Like, they've been here for 10 minutes. Why are they doing this? Why is this, this is person a Skyrim, fight? down. Yeah, why is this person starting to bar fight? Why is this person trying to, like, break another person's arm in an arm wrestling contest? For pride, he screams, because he's a barbarian and he wants to punch things? People don't do that. That's not normal. Please stop. Like, it, everything can just derail so quickly because a player just wants to push the edges and see what they're already able to do, not able to do, and what they can get away with. So... That's going to... I can't imagine how many DMs have probably had that happen to them. I'd imagine almost all, if you've ever done enough campaigns, almost, it's bound to happen.
1: Almost all of them. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of a thing. Like, especially if you start early, if you've got a bunch of younger players, it's going to be an outlet for a lot of energy, uh, whether that's a good thing or not. Yeah. Um, it, it's. It can always turn into a train wreck and especially if you kind of establish early on that you're the dm who kind of allows these things to happen all the time you're very quickly going to lose control of your group yeah if you have a reputation for
2: just kind of anything flies yeah
1: um and like something that you mentioned early on or earlier just a little bit was um like you know they don't have to get to everything was something like that was a thought um that's something i really should have mentioned in last week's episode about dming like If you're going to make side quests and stuff for your characters to do, don't make them specific to a region. Like, you can make a few that are specific to the, oh, this place you're going is called Dravengrad, and Dravengrad has these side quests because blah, blah, blah. But, like, don't have, like, ten side quests planned out, but they're only in Dravengrad. Have, like, thirty side quests just somewhere, and then anywhere they go has a potential to run into these side quests because they all have very generic things. That serves two purposes. A, you always, always have something for your players to do. So, like, maybe you get to a new area and your players have gone off the rails. They didn't go to the town you thought they were going to, so you don't really have a whole lot of story plan for this yet. This will give you at least some time to think because they're already working on something that's just a task. Like, uh, find the relic because it's important to noble. And B, it's going to make sure that your character's can't just skip over all of the hard work you've done. If you plan these things out but you leave them loose so that they can fit in anywhere that means all the hard work you do is going to get put to good use because even if it's not necessarily in the area that you thought it was going to be in, they're still doing that quest you were super excited for them to do.
2: And this is also a perfect opportunity to go back a couple weeks to another episode and uh, if over the course of your play you've noticed that there's a half-orc and a dwarf who really don't care for uh, dwarves and half-orcs, then never be afraid to have one or two of those side quests just so happen to involve dwarves, orcs, halflings, any or half-creatures, not halflings. I guess halflings if you want to. Maybe they have the ring or something. But, oof. just... Oof. But, oof. yeah! So, uh, love you, Roblox. So, <laughs> uh, just just anything of that sort of uh, anything of that sort of nature, just slip the little elements in and it's perfect because now we've sown the seeds. And the players have hopefully through roleplay sort of generated those things themselves. So now they can pick it up and all you have to do is just let them go. Let them see how it all turns out. Honestly, like don't don't be the person who feels like you have to kind of guide them into it, just if they happen into it. Oh boy, let's just let's just see what they do. Watch them, watch yeah. them play.
1: Know your players and use that in your writing. Mm-hmm.
2: So I think, obviously, I've come down really hard on the god complex thing, but I also mentioned before, uh, it's not hard to see why people sort of end up going that way. It's not hard to see why they feel they have to, and especially if you're a newer DM, you almost, I'm sure, feel. <laughs> Like, you have to sometimes. And and I don't mean just putting your foot down once or twice, but why you almost feel like you have to kind of commandeer the direction of the campaign. Um, And if you're not on a module or anything, like, it was a campaign, it completely fell apart, and you're really just not prepared for where it's going, so now you have to take the reins, and you have to force them this way, that way. Um, I can say, if you're the kind of person who wants to get as close to that without going over the limit, there's certainly never a problem with taking the one-piece approach where you have an extremely long concept for an endgame that might not ever come after 30 years. Uh, But every week to two weeks, you have these delightful, shorter adventures or misadventures that can just sort of keep the party in a regular cycle of entertainment, and even if they're having an an off week or so, it's not long before we've already cycled to the next thing. So if you really have to keep them on task, if you have to not guide them gently, if you have to just shove them down the barrel because they're going to fight you every step of the way, it never hurts to just sort of go the misadventure route. And instead of having these grand epic campaigns just sort of having the idea there but several several shorter but still interesting and moving along the idea stories that you can kind of rotate in and out fairly quickly you know they'll have an encounter or two or this week we're gonna have the beach episode and we're gonna have everybody go to like a big beach and we're gonna have like a big fun thing or this week it's a big festival in this town now we're off to the next land of like Islagrad and Ysla just so happens to have, like, the Cherry Blossom Festival. But oh no, it looks like there might be a human sacrifice.
1: Oh no! Two missed <laughs> two sessions later. I just, I like the idea of Ysla having a cherry. This is Japan, Russia. Listen. to <laughs> <Konnichiwa>. Listen. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> just, like, wait. I can just imagine, like, like um, Shut <laughs> <Just> shut. Shut. <laughs> like, I really just want to imagine, like, Putin as an anime character, like, in Cherry Blossom. You don't have to imagine. <laughs> He's in
2: so many manga. I've seen it. Have you not seen Ultra Muscle Putin riding the bear into the grand, no. like, Shoken tournament where they're all going to beat each other up as world leaders? Uh, no. You need to talk to D Sharp. That stuff is
1: wild.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Bartlett, we haven't heard out of you in a minute.
0: I've been muted. Also, been coughing. But I mean I don't have a whole lot of to contribute at this point. You guys are having your back and forth and I was thinking of the most recent ep or the most recent bit of table topping we did on Sunday. You had a little bit of DM discretion there, that was fun.
1: What are we what are we talking about specific there, Bettles?
0: When we were in the sewers? And I was uh, scalping gangsters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this sounds like a story that somebody needs to tell me.
0: <laughs> well, it may happen then. Uh, well,
1: well it, it's a quick one. Because, like, kind of the joke of the first session was that uh, our buddy Richard's character, like, I had described that these gangers had accosted them in, a, in an alleyway and they had kind of like wild hairstyles. Uh, and Richard just goes, I want to roll an in intimidation. Okay. So he rolls it. He rolls really high and he goes, I like your hair. Give it to me. <laughs> I just like, It's <laughs> like, give me your hair. Give- I want your hair. Give it to me. And so it ended up like one of the bandits almost turned and scalped his friend because they were so afraid. And they ended up just turning tail and running. But since he wasn't there for this session, you know, we kind of had his character just being in the infirmary, arresting from his grievous injuries. Um, and we run into those same bandits and um it seems like it's an amicable discussion like they're just kind of like no we're not going to deal with it but they set up an ambush and try and kill the party and so just for the fun of it after they're dead you know Bartlett starts scalping them and he decides well uh we need disguises so I'm going to wear the scalps on top of my head and I'm going to go in and pretend to be one of these gangers it's like are, are you really doing that like, yeah I'm going to go in with the scalps on not to This guy is a Tempestus Scion. He's wearing, like, one step short of full power armor with just a severed scalp on his head. I'm
2: going to put my foot down right now and say, if you are going to have an intimidation roll that could almost have someone turn and scalp their own friend just because you're scary, I think it's perfectly acceptable that a man in power armor could just put a scalp on the helmet and they're like, ah, Jonathan!
1: The guy with power armor wasn't present, though. He was in... What is... I think it's carapace armor? So he's in, like, a full suit of armor. That's clearly not something a ganger can get their hands on. And he just has, like, a severed scalp on top of his head. And he's like, Hey guys, we found some guys running through our territory, but we took care of them. And the ten people who were in this room just kind of all look at each other and then pull their guns. (laughs) Like, you fooled nobody.
2: They have fooled everybody. The only real problem is that now, he looks like he's waiting for the mother of all (laughs) comb-overs.
0: Well, Well.
1: they end up killing all ten of them and he decides to take all of their scouts. So, he just has a a sack full of them now. Interchangeable hair.
0: And a lot of guns.
1: A lot of guns. We have an admeg person with us now, too. (laughs) I have
2: an aquarium full of wigs. (laughs) <laughs> My aquarium.
1: Oh god Is this your evil note? Oh. Nope
2: <laughs> It says dear Magnus oh, Dear Raymond
1: Russ <laughs> I hope you fall into a pit of 1000 of yourselves.
2: Which may torture because just being around The one of you is torture So imagine what a thousand wolven must be like Also the rift would suck too <laughs>
0: Sign
1: Magnus 3. <laughs> oh man, that and the baby cakes,
0: and the what Arbiter Commander that we were I there was with. He was describing
2: the most beautiful demon. Orlac, <laughs> Grablag, Snarglag, Orglac, Flingbong, Chongon, Pingong, and Gherkin.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, Jordan. and the what Arbitus Commander or whatever that was there. He was. A little less than thrilled about our trophies, just being there in the room. He <laughs>
1: just turned, and there's a pile of bloody scalps, and yeah. You know. I'll say elbows.
0: those
1: those have been fun because, like, I we've gotten to play so little of Wrath and Glory that I've planned basically nothing. Like, I just expect something to go wrong, and we're just not going to get to play in any given week. So, so I just don't, I don't bother. But then we actually got to play, and I'm just kind of like, well, I'm just gonna kind of let them do stuff and see what happens. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know where to go, so that's been fun. Um, as kind of in, you know, laid back, let the players do what they're gonna do approach. Uh, if you don't have anything planned, you know, maybe it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, that fun. <laughs>
0: That Sharp's character is old dial-up noises. <laughs>
1: his character is literally just named the sound of dial-up. Wait. You mean like an automatopoeia of the sound of dial-up? No, like his actual name, his character is named like the noises that dial-up makes.
2: Yeah. So like an automatopoeia
1: of the dial-up noise.
0: No, just the name. Yeah, he-
1: Yeah, he didn't, like, write down an automatopoeia. It's just, like, anytime you want to speak his name, you have to connect to AOL.
0: And he might get back to you in about five minutes. What? (laughs)
2: How how are we describing the same and yet different things at the exact same time? (laughs) I will now refer to him as the artist formerly known as D-Sharp, because I can't go around calling people... Like, I can't do that shit.
0: <laughs> <See
1: you much.
0: laughs>
1: I remember those days.
0: Those were terrible days.
1: They were. Hey, well, it sucks. This fight's dead.
0: Like my hopes and dreams.
1: So that was this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always really famous. Um Yeah, I think that's about it. About the end of our train on this one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You all have been loved and beautiful. Your hair looks great today. I love that shirt. I always wear that shirt. Sexy.
0: And I feel Sexy. like I could rub your face up against my chest and it would be like a romance movie. Uh, I mean, uh <clears throat> Awkward.
1: You are safe in my heart and my heart will crash the Titan
0: And I will always love noodles
1: <laughs> 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 Alright. Thank you everybody for watching. We love you. You're Be beautiful. Roll that die uh, We will roll the die. Roll roll the die Dugga a box number 17. What's number 17? Easy props. Things you can make to enhance your D&D campaigns.
0: Woo! I think that one goes rather well with what ambiance was.
1: Yeah, but let can get a little bit more specific. You know, maybe some uh, instructions for some crafts. Because I've got a a few things that I have done, and a few things that I haven't done personally, but that I know how to do, that are just crazy fun ideas for just kind of enhancing the mood of a given D&D campaign or something. Like the the Parchment thing Paul talked about in the previous episode. But also,
2: I did mention in that ambiance episode, I specifically wanted to avoid things directly on the table that uh, players manipulate, such as their minis, or uh, like game maps, things of that nature. Because I wanted this episode, when it came up, Uh, to be one where we could talk about those sort of things directly so I am really excited about this because there are many things that you can use and I think it's going to be really fun I think there's actually a lot that I didn't get to on purpose for this episode so tune in because I I think we'll
1: surprise you always always alright we have a twitter at d20dudes on twitter we love you stay pretty, and we'll catch you in the next few so let Bye! I'm just, I'm going to need, I'm going to need to say this out loud one more time for my own mental well-being. A man named Zachary Johnson worked for another man named Steve Champion who paid him in bananas that he used to pay his rent. This sounds like an absolutely terrible sitcom. Like, this sounds like it could have happened in Friends. Like, oh, my God.